we've been doing a series called Sacred. We've looked at Holy Communion and had communion. We looked at baptism and we had baptisms. We've got another baptism the next Sunday morning. It's great. Last week, we looked at the body and we talked about the human body that actually is sacred, that human beings, that all of us are sacred because we were made in God's image and Jesus became one of us, took on flesh and blood, and we have the Holy Spirit. In fact, something that's sacred is something that God can breathe on and fill. And the Bible talks about God breathing on dust and becoming a living being. And next week, we're going to talk about the Bible. And the Bible is described as being God-breathed. But right now, tonight, we're going to talk about the church. And the church, like the Bible, and like individual human beings, is God-breathed. When Jesus gathered 12 disciples, they were the nucleus of the church. They were the community of the people of God. They were a kingdom community set apart for the mission of God and for a relationship with God. Those two things. And the church has been set apart for those two things. Holy means set apart. Set apart for a relationship with the living God and set apart for the mission of God. And in John 20, Jesus gathers those first disciples and he breathes on them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. They're God-breathed. And, and we're in that line of God-breathed community. And you know, human beings have the potential to be God-breathed, to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. But it's not automatic. Churches have the potential to be God-breathed. You know, that's what they're for. They're devoted, they're sacred for that purpose. That's, human beings are meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why they exist. Churches are meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit, meant to exist. The Bible is meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit, isn't it? But, you know, without the Holy Spirit, people can be abusive, churches can be abusive, the Bible can be used abusively. Without the Holy Spirit. These are vehicles that need to be filled if they're going to be really sacred, you know? So that's who we are today. We're going to think about the church. What does it mean to be a church as God intended it to be, a church that's full of the Holy Spirit? And I've got some scriptures um, uh, I'm going to read, just to start off with, from 1 Peter, uh, verse is 2 to 5, uh, chapter 2, verse 5, rather. And um, I, I love this, this little section. So you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And it goes on, it says, um, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So here we are, we're that people, we belong to God, we're his people. And, you know, in, in the Bible, there are many pictures of what the church is. But one of the most significant ones is that we're the bride of Christ. What an amazing picture, that the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5, um, it, Paul is writing there to, to the Ephesians church and, and he, he gives them an illustration about marriage. But we often use that uh, in, in when we talk to teach about marriage, about um, 
the way that husbands and wives are meant to relate to one another. But Paul makes the point really clearly. I'm not really talking about human marriage. I'm talking about the relationship that Jesus has with his church. And he pictures Jesus like a, a bridegroom. And he pictures the church like a bride. And uh, says this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The Bride of Christ. You know, one, one little title that I, I want to take for myself is, I'm a friend of the Bridegroom. That title comes from John the Baptist, who came to prepare the way of the Lord. And he said, I'm a friend of the bridegroom. And what's a friend of the bridegroom? The reason I say that for myself is, I care about the bride. I really do. You know, I'm, I'm, being, I'm 64 years old. I started working as a full-time Christian worker when I was 23. And I've been doing that ever since. So my adult life has really been in this kind of context, working in, in local churches. And I am actually part of the bride. You know, I am not the bride, you'll be pleased to know. But when I'm with you guys, when we're together collectively, the church is the bride of Christ. So we've got a double gender thing. We're all sons of God. We're all the bride of Christ. So, uh, you know, I hope that fits you. But, um, you know, I, and I, I think I'm, I'm a friend of the bridegroom. I want Jesus to have the best church he can have because he's really worth it. I want him to have a church that loves him as passionately as he loves that. Now, I'm not sure we'll ever get there, but that's my goal. I want to, to, the church to be the kind of church that God had in mind when he said, I want a people for myself. And I, as a friend of the bridegroom, I'm kind of, I want to promote Jesus to the church. I want, as a friend of the bridegroom, to say, hey, bride, do you know how wonderful the bridegroom is? You know, have you ever, I've, I've taken loads of weddings. I took one yesterday, actually. <laughs> And it was lovely, you know, that in the wedding rehearsal, the bride, this, this, a very small, there's a few of us in the building, they're facing one another, and they're practicing the vows, and she cried and cried. She really did. And I felt, she's in love with the bridegroom. But, you know, the, the occasionally a bride will show up, oh, well, yeah, he's all right, you know, he's a bit short, he hasn't, 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 hasn't got much money. I've been waiting a lot, he'll do, you know. We don't want that kind of bride, do we? You know? We want a bride who's really in love with the bridegroom and really gets how wonderful he is. I, you know, I really want people to tell my wife, David's really wonderful. You know, you're so lucky to have him. You know, can, can you tell her that? <laughs> so, no, but honestly, we, we want to say, we, we want to, that's what we're doing tonight in worshipping. We're remembering how amazing Jesus is and how... What a privilege it is to be loved by him. So as a friend of the bridegroom, I'm saying to you, Jesus is worth everything. He's worth you giving everything to. But also as a friend of the bridegroom, I'm saying, and you bride, I want you to be as radiant and lovely as you can. And that means me, I need to, I, I need to, to get more radiant. And, and the, the Bible ends and history ends, if you like, with this picture of a bride coming down from heaven the bride who's made herself ready. The bride has been looking for that wedding day and she's made herself ready. She looks fantastic. And it talks about 
clean linen giving me the sense, which stands for the righteous acts of the saints. The whole book of Revelation couches it in this kind of language. The headings, the, the, the history is heading towards a wedding banquet where love is made complete. That's, that's where we're going. And you know, that's one way that we're sacred. And um, another way in which we're sacred is because, as I've already read, we're like a temple that's made for God to dwell in. And temples are sacred places because they're meant to be filled with the presence of God. When King Solomon made a temple, he just spent a lot of money making an amazing building, not for the building's sake, but because it was worthy of being filled with the glory of God. And that happened too. And honestly, today, the church is despised and disparaged all over the place, isn't it? People think the church is boring, irrelevant, hypocritical. We've had scandals that have shaken people's confidence in church. But also today, the church is everywhere, all over the planet, doing amazing things. The church is being willing to be persecuted and to suffer, to die, and to be imprisoned for Jesus in some nations. The church is caring for the poor all over the planet because they see in the poor the image of Jesus Christ in sacred human bodies. The church is giving sacrificially to giving finance so that people be fed and clothed. And so the church is both these things. It's kind of, it's fallible, it's flawed, it's occasionally abusive even. But it's also beautiful and sacrificial and uh, aspiring for, for, for all that it can be. And our job, actually, if we're a follower of Jesus, is to value the church. You know, John Wimber, my hero, said a couple of things about the, the church. He said, if you follow Christ, there are three commitments you make to Christ, his cause, and his church. You can't really be a Christian without being committed to the cause of Christ in the world and for the church, which is a messenger of his kingdom. And he also had this little prophetic word for the church, which was simply this, God wants his church back. The church doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Jesus. He's the head of the church, the chief cornerstone. And so for me, I hold the church deeply precious because it's not mine. It belongs to him. And I also hold the church really lightly because it's not mine. It belongs to him. He can do with it as he wishes. It's not my church, it's his church. So let's just think of some pictures because, you know, tonight we're a crowd here. So we're, we're not yet a church, if you like, because we're not as connected as what it means to be a living stone. And part of what we want to do here is to make connection, to see church grow out of crowd. And, and, and because... We know that God wants everybody in the church, actually. He wants to make room for everybody in his kingdom. We want crowd, but we've got to go beyond crowd and become connected. And that's why we did a Newcomer's Tea together. We talked about what does it look like to join Woodlands, and we'll talk more about that later on. But what is church? You know, in, in the Bible, there, there are three expressions of church. There are some slides that might go with this, and uh, if you can follow where I'm going, you put those slides up. If you can't, apologies, Claire Thompson. It was a great PowerPoint. You know, you've worked really hard at that, I know, but um, I gave you my notes. Just, just follow them, you know? Anyway, um, you know, there were, there were three pictures of the church in, in, in the Bible, and the first picture was a picture of a temple, a place where God 
can be found. It's a house for God. The first temple in the Bible is made by Solomon. It's a house for God. King David, what? God's been traveling around with us in a tent. That's, you know, you deserve more than a tent. I want to make you a house, a house for you to dwell. And what Solomon did was to build a place where the presence of God who was everywhere could be found somewhere in Jerusalem. The presence of God could be found. And in that place, the glory of the God filled the temple. And the keynote of the temple is sacrifice. It's a place where sacrifice is made. Come and sacrifice. And in that sacrifice, we give to God. God gives back to us. We get to eat and feast and all kinds of things. But that's what it is. A house for God, a place to sacrifice. The second picture of the church in the, New, in the Bible is the synagogue. And that's a house for believers. In the New Testament, we see synagogues everywhere. These are where um, a group of male Jews kind of gather together. And their job is to instruct the disciples, the followers, the next generation, to kind of hold the law, to get it into us, to know what it means for us to, to follow Jesus, to follow God, rather. Uh, and, and so the Jewish synagogue is a place of teaching. And so that's a house for believers. And the keynote is scripture. As for God, the keynote is sacrifice. As for believers, the keynote is scripture. And many churches are like that today. They're places where believers gather and they teach the Bible. But the New Testament church actually meets in a house, typically. And uh, when we look at the New Testament church, we can see it's a house for God. It's a house for believers, but it's also a house for seekers. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to the church, he talks a lot about their worship. And, and his expectation is, there will be seekers present. So when he talks about that worship, he says, you better explain what's going on because if there are seekers among you and if you just speak in tongues at random, no one interprets it, they'll think you're crazy or they'll feel really marginalized. But if you translate, if you give the interpretation of what God's saying, they will fall down on their faces and say, God is among you. And the expectation of the early church is, it's a house for God. And sacrifice is Communion, where we remember the ultimate sacrifice that fulfills all the other sacrifices. That's why in church we share Holy Communion. We did it this morning at our 8 o'clock. We do it regularly on a Sunday morning, less regularly on a Sunday evening. But it's because this is a house for God. But it's also a house for you who are believers tonight. And we want to teach, encourage, spur you on towards love and good deeds. But it's also a house for people who don't know God yet. And tonight, if you're watching... You're checking us out. If you are uncertain about what you believe, or you, you, you think, well, I'm, I'm just not sure, you're so, so welcome, and it's so important to us that you're here. Because if we're doing something right, you will be. And we hope that whether or not you ultimately agree with us and believe what we teach and practice, you will sense that you're loved, and that you're of infinite value, and that you have a place here. Because this is a house... For God, sense his presence as we worship. Do you sense God's presence? Those people who are worshipping, they weren't singing songs. They were engaging with God. They love him. It's obvious, isn't it? This is a house for believers, but it's a house for seekers. If you're a seeker, you're so welcome. And, um, so, and when we talk about church, we have a little picture. We sometimes um, have, a, have a picture. We use the, the triangle. And um, maybe this kind of slightly kind of defines what, what church is. And it's, it's got three elements, up, in, and out. And it reflects to what I've just said. So think about church. 
when Christians gather, are they up in an outing? Because if they're up in an outing, they're probably doing church. And up means we're relating to God. We're worshipping him. We're lifting him up. We're praying to him. And if we're in, we're relating to one another. We're saying that we are family. We want to have fellowship. We want to belong. We want to connect. We want to disciple, care for, pray for, befriend one another. We want to love on one another. And if we're out, we're recognizing that we're in a mission from God and that our call is to love the world and to see transformation of society and to see people who don't yet know Jesus have the opportunity, at least, to, to follow him. That we can present to them what we've received in ways they can really understand and get alongside. So that's what we are. We're this triangle. We're, we're this up in and out people. So, Jesus said, I will build my church. His church. And there's just a, a, I'll come into land in a minute. But this is what he's building. He says some incredible things to church. You know, Jesus said to the church, you are the light of the world. What an extraordinary thing to say. Because we, we think of Jesus as the light of the world. He said that about himself, didn't he? But he also said that about his people. You are the light of the world. And to me, Jesus is the sun and we're the moon. <laughs> you know, we're the light because we reflect the light of Jesus. But we are meant to be a light. We're meant to be visible enough that people can see us and we begin to look a little bit like the community of the kingdom of God. That we reflect something of the quality of of our maker, God himself. We reflect something of the qualities of Jesus Christ in the way that we live. That's what it means for us to be light. And so for us at Wood, is we love to gather in a visible way in a largish building with a profile that's visible, whether it's a social media program or it's a reputational program, because we want to be a place that people are looking for God can find us. And, um, you know, month by month, it's great to have tea with 20 or so new people who've just found woodlands. And um, great, we're meant to be that. But we're also meant to be salt. And in, in, in Jesus' day, salt stopped things going rotten. Salt brought flavor. And we're meant to be like salt scattered all over the place, all over the world, all over our city, stopping things going rotten and bringing the flavor of the kingdom there. And so we see church as scattered as well as gathered. So we gather here on a Sunday, but midweek we're scattered all over, individually in our places of work, but also in our communities around the city, north, south, and east and west, as we meet in our small groups, our pastorates, in our congregations around the city, because we are salt and light. We're a both-and church. And, and Jesus, there's a whole bunch of things that he, he says about us. He says, um, we're ambassadors for his kingdom. He, he actually sent his church to the ends of the earth, telling us to teach people to obey everything he told them. And so we're a bit like ambassadors, we're a bit like an army, that's our out. So if you're part of the church, you're recruited in the mission of God. And second of all, we're, we're a family, we're a community of the king to which people can belong and where the spirit is at work. And the Holy Spirit loves to create community. If you know your Bible, there's a book called the Book of Acts, which describes when the Holy Spirit fell on the church, that little community. And what happened was that 
family mushroomed. And, and people lived together in a really radical way. They shared what they had. They, there was no one in need among them. They ate together very often. It was fantastic. For me, I have the privilege of living in community. There are 19 of us living together in my house at the moment. I've been living like that for most of my adult life, living in community. For the last 26 years living in Ashley Down House up the road, 20 of us living together. Because the Holy Spirit loves to create community where we learn about loving and belonging. Brenny Brown, who is not in the Bible, but she said, human beings have an irreducible need to be noticed and loved. And we want to create a church that can build community. That's why our small groups, our pastors, our communities are so important. And, and honestly, people often don't really thrive unless they've got a place of belonging that's much smaller than a Sunday gathering. And we're committed to seeing that happen. Third picture we've already talked about, the bride of, of Christ, a place of worship and intimacy. And you know, you can have a lot of God all by yourself. You can go away and you can listen to a podcast and listen to some worship on Spotify. You can go for a walk in the country and experience the beauty of God in creation. You can have a kind of quiet time on your own and get revelation from God, and you should. Those things are really, really important. But what you can't have on your own is God with us. You can have God in us, but we're meant to have the experience of God with us as well as God in us. And Jesus said to his disciples, the Holy Spirit is with you, will be in you. But sometimes he says to his disciples, the Holy Spirit who is in you will be with you if you'll only get and gather with some other people. And there's some dynamics of the presence of God that are only possible with others. And the things that Jesus gave us to do that marked us out as followers were with other things. You can't really, I don't think, do Holy Communion on your own. It's meant to be a with other occasion. Baptism is with others. You can't really baptize yourself. I've tried. <laughs> anyway. And, uh, you know, when we're with others, we become the bride. That's the thing. When you're on your own, you're a child of God. When you're with others, you're manifesting yourself as the bride of Christ. And that's why the relationship is different. You know, there's a different level of intimacy and encounter that can happen when we're with others, I think. So I, I just, I'm a real champion of gathered church. Actually, to be honest, I'm a real old-fashioned champion of Sunday church. Because I think the Lord's Day, that first day of the week that was given, that early church has been present with us for 2,000 years is really important. So I'm really glad you're here on a Sunday. And I'm glad you're watching online on a Sunday. If you're watching tomorrow on Monday, it won't be quite as good. Trust me. And I guess um, it's also a place of encouragement, discipleship and nurture of believers. This is like a school or like a hospital. When Claire talked about wholeness, Church should be a place where we get whole, yeah? Where there's healing, where we're getting hold of the future and bring it into the present. We're getting hold of the end of the age and bring it into the now. We're getting hold of no more sickness, no more pain, no more tears. And that's then, but can we have as much of it today as we can? Give us today tomorrow's bread. Give it to us today. And wholeness is about that. Let's get hold of our new creation identity as much of it as possible right now. And we're here to minister to one another. And we're here too, like a school, a place of 
discipleship. And, and of course, learning doesn't happen just through people like myself spouting away. It happens through all kinds of ways. But we want to learn. And the job of church leaders like me isn't to do the ministry, but to equip the church for the work of ministry. That's why a couple of Saturdays ago we had our prayer ministry training. It was to equip the church. It was to equip everybody to be able to know how to cooperate with the power of God, the power of the Spirit, to pray for people, to see them set free. So I'm just going to ask Matt a couple of questions a minute. Just do come up, Matt, because um, Matt's got two jobs at the moment, um, and he's had lots of jobs, actually. You know, he's been kicked out of many of them. But... Um, I'm an addict. I'm an addict to jobs. <laughs> but, I, you know, Matt keeps saying no to promotion and pay rises because he wants to work for Woody's. Why do you want to work for Woody's, Matt? That's a great question, Dave. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, I genuinely love the church. Um, the short answer is I'm just saying every day yes to God. Um, as all of us are doing is waking up and saying yes to God. I feel like what, what God is, is calling me to do is to serve the church. If I'm totally honest... I love this city, and for me and um, for Abby, who I'm married to, we're, we're in for the long run. You're going to see us a lot because we're committing to this city, um, and so we're, we'll be here. Do you know what? I think the church is the hope for all nations. I think the church is the hope for our city. Um, I think it's through us, the royal priesthoods that we're hearing about. That's you. That's me. Um, when we go out into the city, this is our halftime team talk. The real match is out there. Um, it's we are equipped to go out um, to bless people, to love people, to do what the priests were doing, which was um, worshiping God, which was loving those who are on the margins and reaching out to them, sharing the good news of Jesus. Um, I'm all about that. I want to see our city completely changed and transformed top to bottom. Um, that's what I'm all about. That's what we're about. Um, and I just want to serve you guys uh, and do my part. So that's why I'm here. That's why I love it. Well done, Matt. You've got the job. Go on. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so... <laughs> Sorry. You know, honestly, no church is perfect and we are not perfect here at Woodlands. I am, you know, I'm disturbed by the inadequacies in our pastoral care, in our mission, in our organisation. That's why we've got an external review happening, because we want to present ourselves without spot and wrinkle. And there's plenty of spots around. You can be disappointed in church, legitimately at Woodlands. You can get unlucky, you know? You can be disappointed in me very easily. We are not it. We have not arrived. But we want to learn to be better than we are yet. And we want to ask God, by his Holy Spirit, to so fill us that he can continue to shape us. As Rob was saying this morning, it talks about you are being built like living stones into a temple. Not you have arrived, you have been finished. You are being built and we want to cooperate with the master builder to let him build us. And we'd love to have you on that journey with us. We'd love to, to ask for your help, for you to help us notice things we need to notice, to start things that we need to start, to step up and take responsibility and lead. And just, just really finally, um, how do you join Woodlands Church? I often say you join by joining in. And these are the three ways I think you join in if you want to join Woodlands Church. First of all, 
Come and worship with us on a Sunday at one of our services. We've got four here on a Sunday. We've got Southside in the afternoon. We've got others around the city. But find somewhere to worship regularly. It really helps. Second of all, find a place of small connection. It might be a serving team. You might join our youth ministry and be part of that with, with, with devotion. You, you might want to join some other team. You might be part of a worship ministry. You might even just be part of a football team or a netball team. But you might typically join a small group or a pastorate and find here's a place of connection. This is the first line of pastoral care. This is a place where I make friends. This is a place where I can begin to be known and to be a bit vulnerable. This is a place where I can connect. If, you, if you're not part of such a thing, you may, be, you, may, you may have plenty of resources like that elsewhere and you just come here to worship on Sunday. You're welcome. But actually, if, you, if this is your prime church, find some place of smaller connection community is key. And the third way in which you can join is by joining in serving and giving. We, we, we want to serve one another. We want to serve our city. And there's lots of opportunities to serve this church Sunday by Sunday. I've mentioned some of them. We've talked about kids' church tonight. And there's lots of ways to serve our city. There are lots of, uh, of enterprises that, that we support, that we help make happen, that are working with the last, the lost, and the least, or going out into all kinds of other ministries. And any of us on team would be really glad to talk with you about how you can serve and how you can improve um, you know, I mean, maybe the, the kind of the service that we provide as a community of people. And we, want to, we don't want to look good as wood is. You know, when Jesus talks about doing good deeds, he says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Do it secretly as an individual. But as a community, he said, let your light shine before men so they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's pointing to him. Ordinary, wretched, selfish, foolish people like Matt Dobson and me. Um, we get to point people to Jesus as he gives us things to do, as he clothes us with that linen pure and white. So I'm inviting you to belong if you don't yet belong. And I'm asking you for help to make this part of the bride the most beautiful she can be. So I'm going to say a little prayer around that. Jesus, we know that there is someone who hates the church, and it's Satan. And he would like to encourage the world to hate the church too and despise it. But we've got an advocate, someone who speaks for us, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, who loves the church and lay down his life for her, and cleanses her through the washing of, of, of water, of the Spirit and the Word, and the blood of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, we are those people. And we pray, Lord God, in our day and in our time, the Lord Jesus Christ would have a bride that can begin to approximate a little bit to all that you have in your heart for her to be, that we might love Jesus more, sacrificially, passionately, intimately, and have the joy of fellowship with our Father and with the Son and with the Holy Spirit and see heaven come on earth as much as we can in our day, in our time. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. What we're going to do um, in a moment too, we're going to, go, we're going to go back into worship, but we're going to have a chance to pray and have some ministry time. And uh, I might have something to bring to that. other people on the team. But actually, Wally, are, are you, have you guys got some stuff?
Come on. So, yeah, so um, we've just got some th words of knowledge. Um, so that means like stuff that God has shown us. Um, and yeah, we'd really encourage you if you, any of these resonate with you, any of these strike a chord, or you feel like this is really making you feel seen, then please come to the side. We'll be praying for you as well. We're available. Any of us can pray for you. We're well acquainted with prayer. Um, but yeah, first of all, I just felt like someone who was described as like a rising star. Um, but you feel like you've slowed down or even fallen from the heights that you were with God or even potentially in your career. Um, but the God wants to really restore you and take you on that journey of restoration and take you back to where you were before and even beyond that and lift you up. And then also, I just feel like someone feels like they're a shadow of themselves. Sorry. Um, yeah, I feel like someone feels like they're a shadow of themselves. Um, and I feel like you've just been struggling to interact with the world, struggling to interact with people forge connections and all that stuff. And I feel like God really wants to just help you with that, help you feel like yourself again, help you to be the person that he's called you to be. Um, and also, I just felt like someone had um, pain in their ankles, um, more specifically the left one, but either ankle will do. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, we can pray for you for healing. Amen. Um, yeah, I just felt like there's some people here who have been lacking peace especially um, some of you here need to make an important decision. And it's almost as if you've had conflicting thoughts. Um, I feel like God just wants to really release peace um, over your thoughts or over any lies you may have feel, uh, felt, any fear. Um, so yeah, we would love to pray for you just to release peace into your mind and comfort into your mind so you can make the decision um, that you need to make. Amen. Yeah, um, I just also had a sense that there were some people here as well who the Lord just wanted to esteem again, that the Lord has actually called you to be a prophetic voice in your sphere, which essentially is, you know, just sharing um, his heart in different parts um, that you might find yourself, but you, you just felt like you were crippled by anxiety and fear. And I was just reminded of um, Esther chapter 4 verse 14, where Esther's uncle says to Esther when she's in, her, when she's in it, when she is in her own crisis. And she, her uncle says these words. He says, for if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows, perhaps you have come to this royal dignity for such a time as this. And Esther's uncle was essentially encouraging her to raise up your voice again. This is the very reason why the Lord has given you this position. And I feel like the Lord actually just wants to restore people's confidence in speaking once again. And I also just had a sense that the Lord just wanted to give um, people this fresh zeal and, and power when it came to evangelism. And I think it does relate to that fear and anxiety thing, but you just found yourself being quite passive and quite intimidated actually. 
And I'm reminded of um, in Acts chapter 1 where Jesus literally says to his disciples, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit so he will fill you with power. The word is dunamis. So you can be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. And I actually feel like the Lord wants to give people a fresh fire for evangelism so you can push past the intimidation and you can push past the fear. So, yeah. That's very much words that have been on my mind of, of late, actually. That, in fact, um, the gift of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit is for witness. And, and, and uh, God wants to baptize us afresh with the Spirit. And maybe the word about Esther also isn't just for individuals. Maybe it's for the bride. Because Esther was a bride. And, and, and maybe it's not just your individual confidence, but the confidence in the church. Maybe the idea of church is something that you think, I can't say that word church because it carries so much negativity. And we're not promoting church, we're promoting Jesus. But we are promoting the bride as someone who's in love with Jesus. And I'd love to feel that we had a confidence in who we are as a people for this time because we are God's messengers. You know, we're meant to not just be the message, not just to carry the message, but we are the message. We're meant to look like the kingdom people that God always had in mind. So we need to have a confidence in who we are too. So if you resonate with any of those things, just wave your hand at me. Let me see if, if any of those words caught you, all right? So I'm going to invite you guys who've just wait, waved your hands in a moment too. We, we'd love to lay hands on you and pray for you. And we'll invite you to come out the front, just all along the front here and pray for you. But it all, might also be that tonight you want to come because you want to say, actually... You know, I've been hanging loose to the church. <laughs> those people, you know, I'm not sure that um, I want to be too associated with those people. I'm quite cool. And I don't want to lose my cool by, uh, you know, fessing up to being a, <laughs> a, a part of the church. But if you say tonight, actually, the church is pre precious to Jesus, so I'm going to make it precious to me. I'm going to invite you to come forward as a sign of commitment. And we'd love to just bless you, pray for you. And, and let the Spirit of Jesus do that. And we're going to do that in the context of worship. So as we go back into worship, it's ministry time. We'll just take, we've got 15 minutes before closing time and dips up here. But, um, you know, so don't be shy about coming forward. We'd love to pray. And if you've got a need tonight for prayer and you've, you've not, not that's, you can come just with what you're carrying. So let's stand together. And um, we'll, we'll come down to the front here and other people join us from our team. Pastoral team, prayer ministry time. Do, just come and join us, please.